So Matt, what a year it's been. A whole season of the Curiosity Conversation. A whole season of the Curiosity Conversation. Who'd have thought that we'd have made it this far? Well, with a whole host of fascinating guests, we've we've had no trouble really, have we? We haven't at all. And we've got a really interesting conversation coming up today. So I think we should just get going. I think so too. Welcome to the Curiosity Conversation. Today we're speaking to Alberta Whittle, an artist, researcher and curator whose creative practice is motivated by the desire to manifest self-compassion and collective care as key methods in battling anti-blindness. Alberta is working with the collections of the University of St Andrews Libraries and Museums and is involved in delivering Moving Art, Connecting Voices, a project funded by Creative Scotland that brings together migrants and refugees with secondary school pupils to produce creative responses to questions of identity and place. Hello Alberta, it's so fantastic to have you here and we're in the Wardlaw Museum recording this podcast which is super exciting for us. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I wondered, just as a starting point, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into art? So both of my parents were artists and became art teachers and they always really encouraged me to think about the world through making or from an artistic or creative approach. And I spent so much of my time, especially in my childhood, just drawing and watching my parents draw, but also looking at, you know, different exhibitions and museums. I was really lucky they took us to lots of museums, but I was also really interested in the natural world. And I had this, like, I would collect all sorts of weird beasties. So I had a collection of snails that lived in our little kind of porch and I had caterpillars and I'd find myself drawing these caterpillars and... It was just something which I found so, I don't know, just in some ways, like it just felt like the the thing I needed to do almost Mm -hmm. to keep going. And as someone who struggled with fibromyalgia, I spent a lot of time on my own actually, like, you know, just not always at school and drawing or making collages or very personal little kind of, you know, kind of images became a way for me to also, I guess, kind of bolster my spirits. And when the decision came at, you know, A-levels of what I was going to do, I was like, well, art's definitely going to be one of these things. <laughs> um, and then I, I received some really great advice from the ex-girlfriend of someone I was dating who said to me, you know, just keep going and, you know, really try to not be influenced by what's happening with other people and what's Mm -hmm. happening with their careers and just know that you're making this work in some ways for yourself, even if it's reflective of the ideas that are happening in your community and your family, but it's really something you can only do for yourself. Yeah. And so that's always kept me going and luckily I've had some great opportunities over the past few years and the rest is history really. Really interesting. Um, your your work explores themes of empire and legacies of empire. You've moved on from the from the caterpillars. Um, <laughs> what what have you discovered about these themes through the process of, of your work? You know, actually, I think going to the museum as a child really influenced how I began to think about empire because, you know, Barbados is a former part of the British Empire. We became independent in 1966 and 
got, you know, we were lucky because my family bought one of those. You know, there's very little to do as a child in Barbados in the kind of 80s. It was the beach, going to your mate's house or going to the museum. So everyone kind of grew up going to the museum. And you would always witness this kind of um, cross-cultural, I guess, kind of exchange between, you know, often British tourists and museum staff or the museum collections because you'd just be kind of dotting around probably in the children's gallery but then you might wander into you know the world heritage bit of it and you'd see a lot of British tourists and they'd be really you know I guess in some ways quite um they just had no awareness of the the links of colonialization which which bring Barbados and the UK or Europe together and I was always really troubled by that because I was like how is it that I grew up knowing so much about the UK how is it that I know so much of this history of empire but yet you know conversely none of these tourists or people that I'm meeting from the UK seem to really have any understanding of its impact on how the world functions today and that always, I, you know, I found that really disquieting because I felt as though these gaps, they really need to be closed for us to have a greater understanding of, you know, different ideas of kind of inequality, why premature black death is still such a huge issue, you know, thinking about violence from the police or just even violence in terms of receiving public services because of the colour of your skin. And they're all related to empire and, and colonialism. So these ideas really started to, I guess, in some ways, I almost want to use that word fester. They started to really fester and kind of, you know, like have a life of their own in my in my work as being a kind of a motivator, but also, I guess, a kind of like catalyst for me to really think, well, how do I open up these ideas into the world? Because I feel as though my life and my understanding of the world is richer by mm-hmm. actually having an understanding of things which are complicated, painful, um, you know, they, they just give me a, almost, I feel as though they give us, me, a greater sense of compassion or empathy for how the world functions. And I think that by sharing that with other people or audience members, they can also be part of that and be part of that conversation where they understand their own position as they're related to, to these ideas. Absolutely. I think it would be interesting to hear why you think art is... Uh, sort of appropriate way of exploring these th- these themes because um, it strikes me that it's very appropriate but I'm interested to hear what you think. You know I think um, how artists have used their practice as a way of thinking about politics you know it's I think it's been there since we started you know really maybe collecting art even you know the decisions which artists make and what what mythologies or ideas they choose to propagate in their art is always, there's always been a political edge to it. Even I think if you think about decorative art, mm-hmm. there's always been a sense of, well, there's the pleasure of looking, but there's also a story that's often told about the person that's being made for or, or about the practitioner themselves. And for me, art, in some ways, it allows the space for people to rethink ideas that are especially, that are often quite political. Um, So when we look at, you know, if we think about the news and if we think about art, the news will tell us the story, obviously with a particular bias in mind, but it's really kind of suggesting this is truth. This is truth that must be accepted. You must just digest this truth and, and kind of go along your day. Whereas art 
actually suggest another way of looking at this information mm -hmm. and it creates a great deal of space for you to slow down and really start to unravel the information that's being shared with you or um you know like your own relationship to these stories that are being shared and i think art can create space but also potentially unpick things which might have been overlooked by the news you know and create a greater avenue for compassion um but can also create i think sometimes spaces in the imaginary to also rethink how we can move forward to create change and so in, in your work are you trying to encourage people to respond to in a, in a particular way are you trying to tell people certain things how how do you want audiences and, and visitors to to react I think, you know, slowing down has become a really big part of my practice, especially when I have the opportunity to, to like create an installation for someone or it's not always a singular piece. I mean, even with a singular piece, I hope to encourage audiences to slow down and, you know, really think about what is being shared with them quite often, especially like sometimes in my film works i've found myself especially actually over the past year really thinking about how do i speak directly to my audience because going into a gallery going into a museum has actually been you know impossible with covid guidelines and regulations so often now when i share those kind of works they're online mm -hmm. and i am really deeply concerned about what's happening in those home situations so they can be a way for me to slow down with the audience and speak directly with them to unpack a particular mythology or idea um, or narrative that I'm trying to understand better. But also, you know, if, if I go into, for instance, my print work or my sculptural work, these are also in a different way, they adopt different methods to try and slow down. So whether it's the, the way in which I choose color where, um, for instance, the prints I've been producing um, with, with you guys at St. Andrews, I've chosen very specific color gradients to almost, you know, make certain things illegible or, mm -hmm. or quite hard to read at times so that the viewer is encouraged to kind of pause and really kind of sit with the image to try and make up what's going on beneath, but also to think about, okay, what is being pointed out in these images and what is being suppressed and why? but also the choice of images that I have decided to focus on um, are often images of encounters between indigenous people and um, European colonialists. So within the different facets of my work, it's usually about trying to create, slow things down a bit so audiences can start thinking about these ideas and, and hopefully recognise that we're all in this together, like I'm also unpicking these ideas mm -hmm. and this research is something that's very much shared. Um, I, I like to keep things a little bit open mm -hmm. so that there are different entry points for audience members because they will see different things that I definitely don't see and I find that really interesting. That's fascinating. I wondered, I'd noticed a lot of your work had um, colours that we maybe don't expect, bright pinks yeah. and blues and things like that, and that's, that's really interesting to, to know yeah. why that's the case. Oh, well, those, the colours in particular that I've been using for um, the project with St Andrews are really related to um, these signs which you find in the Caribbean to advertise parties. Mm. 
So you'll find it's it's a particular kind of like gradient. And so they might use the kind of gradient method for, I mean, all sorts of things like maybe from turquoise to watermelon pink or from, you know, yellow to green. Um, and you they they would be fine. So they might be like a painted backdrop, which has this gradient color. And then on top would be like a really strong graphic, like Tuesday night, midnight, you know, girls free, you know, something <laughs> like this. And the reason why I'm, I've always been really interested in those in those those um, kind of styles of gradient washes is is how they speak about hospitality because mm-hmm. they are about parties and mm-hmm. a lot of my work is trying to think about hospitality like who is welcome who is unwelcome and how is that expressed so it's a little nod to those kind of Caribbean vernacular design ideas. Wow, that Love is. That. That's fascinating. I like that as well. Yeah. It, it makes me want to go to the Caribbean and, and go to a party. Yeah, and go to a party. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of times um, your work with uh, with St Andrews. You've been examining the university's collections and um, delving a little bit into the legacies of empire that are that are in those collections and thinking about um, how maybe how we move forward in a in a more equitable way than, than might have been the case in the past. Um, what what have you uncovered as, as part of this work with the, with the collections at St Andrews? One of the objects which I was really excited to look at is this um, album de voyage by um, Theodore de Bry. And, you know, I actually first came across these images as a kid because, as I mentioned, my dad was an artist and he happened to go to the States when they had this 500 anniversary of, you know, Columbus. Mm. And um, Columbus, you know, going to the Americas and these images were used by an artist um, in a different way for me, but to kind of illustrate this 500 year anniversary. And I was really struck by those images, especially in some ways because of how they spoke about this idea of them being welcomed Mm. um, by the indigenous people. And I was really curious to actually have a look at this album besides the fact that it's an incredible object. I mean, it really is quite an incredible object to look at and you, you, you know, and, and even just detecting the age and the history and what this book has actually witnessed. Because for me, this book becomes a witness to time, mm. you know, as well as being an object which signifies almost a technology of empire, which we, in some ways, I think we still do follow through these ideas. And when I finally got a chance to look at you know, this this book, this album, I was really struck with how the narrative developed. Mm. You know, because I've really only seen the images in isolation. So maybe I might come across an image and think, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, look at how this is kind of described. But actually the whole album tells this really interesting idea of it kind of, because it was produced over, I can't think now, but about 30 years, 20, 30 years, it also reflects the information that was being shared with Europeans from explorers or from, you know, conquistadors and, you know, people like Francis Drake um, and John Smith who were going to the Americas. So, you know, sketches were made in the Americas and then they were sent back to Europe and then artists like Theodore de Bry and then his descendants ended up going and making these illustrations. But obviously they're highly biased and I didn't realize how at the beginning the narrative would change so much from the beginning to the end. So at the beginning, it's very much almost 
like it, it, it become it, it appears like a cabinet of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So the figures are really described in terms of their dress, maybe their role, this kind of intelligence that shared like how they they barricade their their kind of um, compounds, um, how they fish, all of the different bounty of the Americas, especially like in the southern United States, so in Florida. And then it becomes this really different story. And it actually becomes this incredibly violent clash between the indigenous people more in Southern America, in this, you know, Southern, you know, South America and the Europeans, but where then this, the brutality that happens in this, um, this empire building project is justified by the savagery mm. of the indigenous people and how that is suggested. And that is really fascinating to mm. me, how the story twists and shapes depending on what is required to continue building support or to kind of even, you know, uphold that support for why the colonial project persists and obviously mm. becomes so successful. Because by the end of it, instead of these images of the indigenous people being, you know, a source of fascination, but also beauty, they're really seen as completely brutal and savage and um, inhumane. You get hints of that in the early illustrations where, you know, some of their garments, it's almost suggesting a tale, mm. you know, but also an image, uh, you know, a few images which I was really struck from, struck by at the beginning of the book are the images of the pits, you know, and the pits are early Scottish people and they're described as being more savage than the people in, um, in the American, the southern US. So those images, and I was very interested at how, you know, that plantation building project was happening on home soil in Scotland as well. And I thought that was really interesting. So for me, when I reflect back on my, you know, investigations into your collections, it does really kind of tell this interesting narrative about what is useful in terms of like what is presented in museums and archives and collections to uphold a particular narrative of of binaries, yeah. of real like binaries of race and culture where white supremacy sits the top and indigenous people are at the bottom. And so that's been really interesting. Absolutely. I think it just, you know, the, this idea that narratives are constructed right and the museum is a colonial object in itself right and and that and that is that's part of what we have to unpick to to move forward and and have have a have a more equitable footing in the future right if we don't acknowledge that we have been the source of of uh, upholding these narratives and constructing them i think that's what's so important about the work that you're producing is you know Helping, helping us to communicate to audiences that we have played an active role in this, um, and how do we actually move forward from this as a, as a, as a, you know, in in a way that that gives people their voice back, right? Um, and and I think you've touched on a little bit how the work you're going to produce as part of this residency will do this. I don't know if you want to say any any more on that, um, but it would be interesting as well to hear about how how you hope people will respond to this work. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, I think, as I said earlier, the idea of giving people space to really unpack yeah. these ideas is really important. But also, I think a lot about how audience members can become stakeholders mm. and how they can become active participants in making change is really important to me. So when I think about how I've been looking at these prints, and in some ways I imagine these divide prints a bit as propaganda, they are propaganda, you know, to, to support particular ideologies that feed into capitalism. And I like to think that, you know, by sharing this work as an intervention or an interruption into the existing narrative that's happening in the collections might also suggest new ways to maybe intervene into the collections where certain objects that maybe were not visible before are now foregrounded to also suggest that, well, whilst this was happening in St. Andrews and the, and the university was being built, the money for to build this university may have come from these sources that include slavery or the extraction of minerals from, from the land. And you know, it's interesting that COP is happening right now because, you know, thinking about, you know, as you said before, you know, the museum is a colonial object and how, how does that colonial object also kind of wreak havoc on the environment? Mm. You know, how does it wreak havoc on the environment? How can we think about how these histories of extraction feed in with climate colonialism? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think, you know, the work which we're doing also with the workshops becomes a really interesting way to think about, you know, how can young people, how can SO learners, how can people from different migrant backgrounds, you know, through the Moving Art Connecting Voices project, how can they also start to intervene into the museum and you know for one of the workshops which we're doing which is building on collage making it's very much a way of also staking claim within the museum and thinking about kinship but also kithship which is about family and or chosen family and i'm really interested at you know the conversations that can happen there because museums generally only speak about families that are powerful you know, and only speaks about those feudal links or, you know, bloodlines have kind of like been well supported by the colonial project. So now where we are in 2021 and we're a mixed group of people coming from very different backgrounds and probably ideas and family structures and ideas of making family, you know, what does, how would we imagine this museum to function or how would we imagine seeing our family in here? And I think bringing families or portraits of ourselves and our community into the museum. Also, you know, it kind of changes the playing field a little bit. It levels things a little bit so that there is scope to think about how power is represented. Because if you're in a museum, in some ways, you're assuming a bit of power, Mm. you know, because your voice and your narrative is also there on par with you know, you know, those maces, those medieval maces, or of, you know, the different artifacts that have come back, or these stories of science and technology that are presented in the museum. You um, mentioned there uh, Moving Out Connecting Voices, which is a project you're involved in uh, at the University Museums, funded by Creative Scotland, and it brings together secondary school pupils and migrants and refugees studying uh, ESOL, studying English speakers of other languages, um, to respond to, again, these issues of empire and legacy and personal identity through uh, visual art, but also poetry and music. Um, what are you um, most looking forward to as part of this project? You know, I'm really curious about 
the different perspectives or ideas that might come from these different different folks. You know, because I think that's for me one of the things I enjoy most is speaking to people, you know, in a crit format or you know, in an informal format about like my ideas and like I'm really curious what ideas, you know, that I won't be anticipating that these different folks are gonna bring in. You know, because invariably there'll be something really important for me to learn and for each participant to learn from each other. So, you know, in, in like you know, in some ways it's quite a disparate group. Mm. You know, and everyone will have very different relationships to these ideas of empire and also to this museum. Mm-hmm. You know, will they have come as children? Will they have come as part of one of their groups? Maybe this is their first time coming. And for me, that's really exciting because how will they feel? Yeah. You know, how will they feel once they arrive? How will they feel about intervening into this museum? Will they feel as though, no, I, I want to be quiet? Will I want to present something quiet? Because, you know, that idea of a museum almost being like a church or this kind of like deeply, um, you know, kind of like grand place for looking is really something I want to intervene in. Like, how will we change that? You know, what will it mean to have a group of people in there? Maybe we'll be playing music. Maybe we will have, you know, like there'll be opportunities for like everyone to kind of like put some music on. You know, I have my laptop. But also what will they think is important to share with the rest of the group? And how will we find ways of sharing, considering everyone will have a different understanding of, of, of language? Everyone will come with different languages. Absolutely. And you touched on a little bit there that you're going to be encouraging these participants to think about themes of empire, themes of migration, these family. Um, how, how are you going to go about sort of encouraging the participants to explore these themes? What's the process going to look like? Um, you know, this is something which is unexpected. When you bring different people mm. together, it's really unexpected how they'll respond to these ideas. I've got a lot of examples of artists who use collage work. I've got some examples of my own practice. Um, and, you know, just thinking about the different methods of literally making a collage, there's so many different ways to go about this. So I'm hoping that, you know, at the beginning, we'll maybe do a little bit of writing to think about, you know, what phrases come to mind when we think about empire, when we think about our presence being here, does this mm-hmm. museum belong to us? And hopefully that will form some of the structure of how we then start unpicking these mm-hmm. ideas. Because they'll be very individual. I think everyone's going to create their own individual collage. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see the overlaps and what comes from, what comes from out of left field, as it were. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the benefits of um, using art for the, I guess, for the viewer to, to delve into these these um, these issues and these these topics. What what is the benefit for the for the creator, and what is what would be the benefit do you think and, and hope for the for the participants in this project? As someone who loves making, and I mean, I really really love making. Like I find it so. I don't know, just a part of my own healing and my own way of being in the world. I I hope to share some of that with them, that love of making. Um, I know that it can sometimes be something that makes one feel a bit self-conscious, especially in a group environment. You know, I'm very aware that some people might feel self-conscious, but I think, you know, especially because language is going to be something which is going to be a little tricky today. I think that hopefully this will, you know, support I guess in some ways a bit of respite for people who are doing many busy and challenging things in their everyday especially if they're migrants or refugees 
it is challenging being in a different country and I hope they'll form a little bit of respite, but also I'm hoping it'll build some skills and maybe help people think about how they share their story, how they share their story with a group, um, but also how we think about our place in the world today and that relationship to the subjects which we're looking at, which might not have been touched on before. I think sometimes it's very easy to take um, the status quo for granted, especially when the status quo is everywhere. So thinking about a museum as a colonial project is quite a new idea for most people, especially young people, you know, Um, even though I think in some ways they're leading the ways so much when it comes to demanding change. Absolutely. I wonder, um, you, you touched a little bit earlier on the sort of the opportunities that have come your way over the past uh, few years after such wonderful practice throughout your throughout your career and you're representing Scotland at next year's Penis Biennale, which is amazing <laughs> and very well deserved, I must add. Um, I wonder, what does it feel like to have the opportunity to present these themes on that stage, in that context, I think because you know, it is, it's, it's like it's a global conversation, right? You know, it's mutually terrifying and exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a combination of that exhilaration, but also, oh my goodness, all these people are now going to be looking at me and my work, and I'm quite a shy person, which no one ever really believes, but I'm actually quite a shy person. <laughs> and do a lot of making and thinking on my own. Um, But as much as I do love sharing it with groups, it does happen quite often Mm. on my own. Um, But I'm really excited. I'm genuinely really excited. I've been, I think it's it's such a great and humbling opportunity to really share Mm. so many of these ideas that are important to me and hopefully think about how those ideas can touch other people. You know, I find looking at other artists' work so inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, and the artists were, you know, selected as examples to show to, to the group this afternoon. You know, these artists who I really admire, you know, Wangechi Mutu, um, Romar Bearsden, you know, besides, you know, if I think about in the UK, Sonia Boyce is representing for the UK, or Simone Lee from the US, you know, Zineb Sadira from France, it's incredible to think of showing alongside people who mm. I've admired for years. I mean, that's really humbling. But also, you know, when I look at their work and others, there's always something to learn. Yeah. You know, whether it's about understanding a different, you know, idea about humanity, because so many of these artists' work is about, you know, humanity and how we how we exist in the world today and, and the kind of differences that are part of that, but also how they connect to, you know, I don't know, kind of like global histories. And it's really quite, you know, kind of an incredible thought to think I'm part of that conversation. But yeah, it's also terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Very well. It's been a fascinating conversation, Alberta. Thank you so much. Mm. Um, before, Before we finish up, do you have any advice for anyone, and particularly maybe young people, particularly, um, those who maybe um, aren't sure that the art world is for them or are maybe uncomfortable with with um, getting into the art world? Do you have any advice for those who might want to go down this route and get into art? You know, I think you need, if, if this is something which you really want to do, I, 
you have to think about why you're doing it. Like, it's really important to think about why you're doing it. If you're doing it for fame and applause, I mean, those are the wrong reasons <laughs> to be doing this, like, go off and do something else. But actually, if this is something which you really feel is, like, part of your DNA or part of your mission, you know, in life, I think, you know, be tenacious. Be tenacious, you know, really just keep going. I think that advice I got when I was in my early 20s was so helpful. Just keep on going. It's you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for anyone else. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter if they are getting the accolades now. You know, your time may be a bit further down the line, but also just really try and be focused. You know, and also... Another great piece of advice I got from um, actually Adele Patrick from Glasgow Women's Library was think about the values of the organizations and the people you want to work with and really make sure they're in line with your values because otherwise you can really end up in sticky situations where you're deeply uncomfortable about what's being asked of you as well. And, you know, you do have rights. You know, as an artist as well, there's the Scottish Artists Union, the Scottish um, Creative Arts Network Scan, all of these organisations that are there to support you as well. But I think, think about the reasons why you might want to be an artist and also to understand there are different ways of being creative. Mm. Maybe it's about running workshops, maybe it's about being a curator or an art historian or a producer. You know, I often work with so many loving collaborators and I think that often, you know, the curators I work with or people who are helping me make, they become such a huge part of my work. So there's so many different ways of being creative that are also equally valuable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just keep going and be tenacious. One rejection does not mean that art is not for you. It just means, you know, you can be the sweetest mango on the tree, but some people don't like mangoes. I like that. That's a good note to end on. Brilliant. That has been, uh, I think, a really inspiring and in, in some ways uh, a, a bit unsettling conversation. And thank you. Um, thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing um, the work uh, that responds to St Andrew's uh, collections and we're looking forward to seeing um, the work that comes out of this project. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Ellie, what a fascinating conversation. Alberta is unbelievably inspirational and I learned a great deal about her work. Absolutely. It's just so fascinating to get an insight as to what her processes are for her work and yeah, how, how she goes about achieving those those aims that she sets out. It's yeah, her stuff is incredible and she's fantastic too. That was a great conversation to end the season on. The Curiosity Conversation will be back next year. Keep an eye out on your favourite podcast platforms. So don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Curiosity Conversation before you head off this year and we'll see you again next year. The Curiosity Conversation is brought to you by the Museums of the University of St Andrews.